Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 119. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Our past guests are always telling us that we need to invest in our knowledge to be successful. With all the books that exist today, it's never been easier. And with Audible books, it's so ridiculously easy that you just have to try it. Check out www.audibletrial.com unstoppable to start your free 30-day trial today. Again, www.audibletrial.com audibletrial.com slash unstoppable with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef brian duffy chef are you feeling unstoppable today Come on, man. Every single day I'm unstoppable. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. So, uh, graduate of the restaurant school at Walnut Hill College, uh, executive chef and consultant, Chef Duffy is known for coining the term New Celtic Cuisine and perhaps for his numerous appearances on the widely popular Spike TV series, Bar Rescue. Chef Duffy works with restaurants across the country, updating their menus and coaching them through much-needed facelifts. Uh, his proven success has made him one of the most uh, high-demand restaurant consultants across North America and overseas. Chef, this is just a taste of who you are and what you're about. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit more, starting with, you know, is there a time that you can remember where you knew that this passion of yours was going to be more than just a job in your, your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the first day I went to culinary school. Awesome. It was something for me that was that was you know I mean I was I was 19 years old I was really a little unsure of of what I was going to do or or how I was going to kind of go about life you know I mean I was mm-hmm. 19 man I had yeah. no idea and I, I remember going into school and you know the first day there they give you your knives and you know they give you your uh, uh, you, they give you your jacket and I remember putting that jacket on and I was like man this like this defines me now mm-hmm. you know this is something that that kind of says who I am and what I'm going to do. And that, that was it. I mean, I just, I fell in love with, with the, with the idea of being a chef at least mm-hmm. at that point. I think that, uh, that, you know, getting that definite purpose in life early on is one of the things that helps people uh, become successful. And I'm sure that contributes to your success. So why don't you take us through some snapshots of, uh, you know, when you got started in the industry and how you got to where you are today, just quickly, you know, this little snapshot. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I graduated culinary school in 1994. Um, it was, uh, you know, a big accomplishment for me. It was something that I really was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't—I uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of college. I had gone to college originally, and I, I did, you know, I did a traditional college, and it just wasn't for me. I—I—I I, I learned a lot, and it was great, and I'm really happy to have done that. Mm-hmm. But I really loved going to culinary school. That was mm-hmm. something that was really directed more towards what I had wanted to do. I hear um, you. You know, so so I mean, I graduated culinary school. I immediately moved down to, down to Florida, uh, where I worked with uh, a chef who was kind of one of the uh, one of one of the old school guys. You know, uh, he he was he was a thrower, a yeller, and a screamer. So um, I, I learned a good bit of what not to do in kitchens, which was kind of funny because my entire time before that, I was doing the um, uh, I was at, I did my apprenticeship at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. 
And plus, I did another place at a place called San Marco, which was this amazing Italian restaurant. So from then, uh, you know, I, I kind of had moved on. I, I did some of my own stuff. I, I learned, um, you know, from some pretty good guys. But at the same time, I was really doing my own thing. Um, I was kind of honing my skills to, to really get an idea of, of what it was that I wanted to do. All right. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I, that was 20 years ago. Wow. Um, so I, I've really been running through the industry the whole time. I mean, I've been in a, I've been an executive chef for God the last 18. So I've kind of really taken over and, and taken the reins for whatever it is I wanted to do and, and led my own, my own, my own career, the direction it should, I wanted it to go. Awesome. And I know one of those past chefs you worked for was uh, Jean-Marie Lacroix, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, I mean, having those incredible mentors, those people, I mean, what, I mean, what impact do you think that had on your career? Well, you know, I mean, he was the type of guy that I learned from. I, I mean, I'll tell you a really quick story. I remember one day. Now, now, to, uh, let me paint a picture for you real quick. I, I worked two. I, I worked two apprenticeships for free. So I worked at the uh, the Four Seasons for free, and then and that was during the day. And then at night, I would go to a place called San Marco, which was an awesome Italian restaurant that I that I worked for free as well. At the same time, I went to school full time, <laughs> and then I also bounced at a bar at night. So that was, and I made eight dollars an hour. Wow! You know, so I, I was literally working and going to school for free, and then I made eight bucks an hour bouncing at a bar. Um, so, so that was kind of the world that I lived in. So yeah. I, I remember being exhausted one morning, and I ran into work. I was probably running a little bit late. I got in there. I started working my butt off the whole day. Um, you know, I worked seven to three at uh, at the restaurant score at uh, at the Four Seasons. And I worked with a guy named David Gottlieb and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I, I had to run out really fast. My sister was actually picking me up because I didn't make any money, so I didn't <laughs> couldn't afford to pay for parking. So my sister worked around the corner, and so she would pick me up in the afternoon, and she had to go somewhere. So she picked me up, and I literally got changed and ran out the back door. Now, just to give you an idea, every single day when Jean-Marie Lacroix walked into the kitchen, he stopped at your station, he shook your hand, and he thanked you for being there. Oh, man, I love so, it. So I had, and so at the end of the day, you always said, "Hey, chef, thank you," or, or whatever it is. Um, I, I ended up leaving without saying goodbye to him. And the next morning, when I went into work, he was in work, and he wanted to make sure. That he said, "I came in today because because you left yesterday without saying anything. I just wanted to make sure that everything was okay." Oh man! And, and I realized at that point that being a chef wasn't just about dictatorship. It wasn't just about telling people what to do or what they had to do. It really was about, it was a relationship. Mm -hmm. It was a coaching, a mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I learned that at that point, but unfortunately it took me about 10 years (laughs) to realize really how true that was. So uh, he he was an awesome, awesome individual. And I saw him about about six or seven months ago and uh, at an event and i walked up and i said chef i'm not sure if you remember me and he said of course i remember you your name is brian duffy and i see you on tv all the time and i'm so (laughs) proud of you and i was like holy shit no way that was awesome that is awesome and yeah chef jean marie was a past guest and he is incredible um great guy but this isn't about him this is about you and i feel like i'm getting to know you now (laughs) and uh you know i i want to get that motivational inspirational ball going even more man it's going pretty good right now and we're going to get that going by having you share uh your favorite success quote or mantra that you live by you know i mean i've got a couple of things that i really kind of live by um 
One is something that I actually had tattooed on my arm, which is that the art of the preparation creates the experience. Mm. But I believe that, that, that there's experiences that we get every single day, and, and I'll, I'll tell you something really fast. About se- six and a half or seven years ago, I made a decision to never say no again. Mm. Um, obviously, within reason, if somebody says, hey, you want to do some heroin? I'm going to say <laughs> no. But if somebody says, hey, you want to go to Connecticut and do a wine festival? I'm going to say yes. Uh, so during that time, I started to realize that, that the, the business, the industry, that everything was, was changing. Um, the days of when I was younger and standing in a kitchen and learning what, what, what the Bible was, which mm-hmm. at that point the Bible was a culinary education, it was what your chef taught you, has really changed. The whole dynamic of being in a kitchen has changed in the regular world. I'm not talking about your fine dining places and, and some of your higher-end gastropubs and stuff like that. I'm talking about the restaurant, restaurant industry itself. It is now an industry of box cutters. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys that are out there and most of the clients that contact me at first, are, they have box cutters. Mm-hmm. They have guys who order mozzarella sticks from Cisco and they open the box when it gets there. Mm-hmm. They open a box of chicken. They don't understand how to fabricate. They don't understand how to break down a fish. They don't understand how to break down a steak or something to that effect. So so my, my, my world or my mantra or my quote or my, my was something I live by of that the art of the preparation creates the experiences that we have to start at the basics first. It all starts with your preparation for whatever it is that you're going to do. If if I didn't know how to roll, I didn't know how to roll sushi at one point, so I had to learn how to do that. I had to prepare to do that, and I did that by standing in a Japanese restaurant for five days until they finally allowed me to go into the kitchen. Mm, okay, I because I didn't know I didn't know how to do it, so I had to learn. I had to watch first. And that, to me, was the art of the preparation, and that created another experience for me. So that's what I believe in. I love it, Chef. And I think uh, the, the reasons you're stating or these, uh, you know, these things that you're saying are exactly why I focus on the indie restaurant professional because I feel like those are the true craftsmen, the people that really, uh, you know, th- they are their food. They are their restaurant. It's an extension of who they are, and I feel like that's what makes them so successful. And that's why I highlight people like that and consultants like you who realize that, and it's uh, really powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah. Now we got to find out what it is about you. What is your it factor? What makes you so successful in this industry? Hit us. You know, I'll tell you, I started working in restaurants when I was 14 years old. I started washing table or busing, uh, you know, busing tables and washing dishes. And, and I always looked at the chefs and I always thought they were pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the guys who were standing out back under the light at the end of the night smoking the cigarette. Mm-hmm. They were the guys who were having beers at the end of the night and all the women were hanging around. <laughs> Those were the guys that I looked up to. Yeah. And that was 14. You know, so 14 mm-hmm. through about 18. And around the, around the age of 18, I said, I'm, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to do the restaurant industry. It was, I was working nights and weekends. And, but you know, taking all of that knowledge and watching it progress through the years. And, and you know, I, I graduated in 94, and it was about until about 2004, 2005, around that time, when I kind of, I mean, I'm a pretty straight shooter, so I'm going to tell you honestly, I was a dick, man. Mm-hmm. I was really a tough guy to work with in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, I did everything myself. I didn't allow my guys to make, uh, to do anything because, I, you know, I would get pissed off at them. If they made a mistake, I'd get pissed off, and it, it took um, probably 10, 11 years in the business for me to call a very good friend of mine whose name is Theo Atkinson, and he's an awesome chef in Philadelphia, and he was one of my chefs years ago, and him and I at one point, to give you an idea, ended up with, with, with hands around throats throwing each <laughs> other up against a wall because uh. we both had these huge egos and these huge attitudes. So 
you know, fast forward to now, Theo's a very dear friend of mine. And about 10 years ago, I said to him, dude, what are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. What is it that we're doing wrong? How is it that we are working so hard, don't have staff retention, or guys aren't staying with us? They're, they're, and if they are staying with us, they're only doing about 75%. They're not going full, mm-hmm. full, full throttle. And, he, and we kind of came to a conclusion that we weren't allowing our, our guys to really grow. And by guys, obviously, I mean men, women, and anybody mm-hmm. who was working in our kitchens. Gotcha. And, and it, was, it was that time where we both decided that we needed to allow our staff to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We can guide them and we can coach them, but we don't have to lead them through every single scenario. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of stepped back. And, and I guess I reached kind of a, a pinnacle for me about eight years ago. Um, I opened a restaurant with Dave McGrogan and one of my dear, dear friends, Dana Farrell, who at some point you should have on your show. I'll let you know. Dana Farrell's an amazing human being. Um, she was uh, one of the partners in the restaurant. I remember her and I going through the concept of what we wanted to do and teaching my staff what we were going to be, which was an organic restaurant where I dealt with farmers on a daily basis. All right. And I used to have 15 farmers that would drop off whatever they wanted on Tuesdays, and my staff would get so excited because they could create specials. Okay. They could make an, an item for the menu or for the week or for whatever it was. So that was kind of the it factor for me, was that conversation that I had with my buddy Theo, where him and I decided that we were going to allow our staff to make their own mistakes and learn without us harping on them or, or, or badgering them. Or we, It was our job to coach and to teach. And from that day forward, I've had an amazing experience in every restaurant I've been in. Awesome. I love it. And I mean, now we, we have your it factor that you, you know, you kind of let your staff make that the mistakes and then you guide them through it, but you're not necessarily like on top of them all the time. Maybe like you used to be. Can you tell us a story now, chef, take us down to a moment where this it factor, uh, you know, really shown through, bring us to, like down to the second where this happened. Oh man. You know, I, I think it was a period when I had a whole bunch of guys that were working for me at, at, at Harvest Restaurant. I mean, that was, that's what it was. It was in Glen Mills. And, and, and my guys used to, I was, I was one of the old school guys who, you know, I scheduled, you worked every Friday, you worked every Saturday, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you, this is what happened. And I took my schedule and I rearranged my whole schedule so that let's say that Ben was closing on a Friday night. Okay. And Tim was closing on Friday or on Saturday night. So what I would do is I would change the schedule around so that Ben and Tim weren't both closing on both nights. Okay. So Ben could know that he was out at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, whereas Tim would be closing the restaurant down fully. Okay. So, so I switched it so that my guys were able to have a life. Mm-hmm. I got to a point that I was putting my schedules up earlier instead of, you know, on a Sunday for a Monday schedule. You know, I was putting it up a week or two earlier. I really got into a full executive chef mode where I was overseeing my guys, my food, my staff, every part of it, and it was flowing the way that it should. And I remember my, my whole staff, when that first schedule went up and the guys were like, oh, my God, I'm not closing on a Saturday night. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's only two of us closing instead of six of us. I got gotcha. you. You know? I and mean, it really was a way for my guys to, to – that was that fact. That was watching that happen. My staff 
just grow was awesome. It's almost like a pivotal, this is like a pivotal moment in your life 10 years ago where you just had this wave of kind of social intelligence where you realize that I'm only as good as my team. And if, if I want to yeah. be the best, I have to surround myself with the best. And that means I have to change my approach to being kind of a servant leader and uh, making sure that my job is to keep my people happy. And that sounds like the that was your kind of aha moment. And it sounds like you've been killing it ever since. And I think that's something we can all take away from these stories. And it's been great. You're dropping gold on us, Chef. I love it. So, <laughs> all right, the next question I have for you, and it's going to be another story. And I want you to tell us about a time. Obviously, you know, everything in our career isn't perfect. We make mistakes. We have those failures. So tell us about a time that you fell hard on your ass, Chef, and what you learned from this hard failure and how you got past it. I mean, that's a really tough one because – I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I've ever really fallen hard. I don't, I know that sounds really weird, but I've always kind of led my own career. You know, I, I mean, I, I always, I, it's a really tough question, dude. What about, That's a really, really tough question. You said, like, uh, you know, up to 10 years ago, your weakness was maybe being a dick. Can you think of a time that you were just a huge dick to somebody and, and when it just didn't pay off and, you know, what you did and what became of it? I'm digging deep here. <laughs> Yeah, you are. You're digging real deep, man. Um, you know, there were times where I was I was rougher on some staff than I think I should have. Okay. And those guys ended up leaving. Um, you know, but I, see, that's really hard to say because it never came back to like bite me. I mean, I've always had an awesome relationship with people that have worked with me, at least the best that I could. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess there were there was a guy that I used to work with years ago, and uh, and I was really kind of duped into coming into his company. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where. Uh, you know, I was promised a I was promised a salary of one thing, and then you know a bonus on top of a group of restaurants, and you know there was a whole lot of a whole lot of pomp and circumstance that was going into me being hired. Okay. Um, you know, I first had gotten into the job, and I really I mean I'm a worker. That's what I do. Somebody hired me to do something. I went in, and the first thing I did was start to fix the problems. You know, I eliminated uh, purchasing by forty thousand dollars in this restaurant group in oh, a wow. one month period um, because the restaurant was just totally purging themselves. I mean, they were they were just they were just killing themselves on a daily basis. It was disgusting. Um, and I remember after four years of working with this guy, and I sat down at the end of the day, and I had a conversation with him, and he looked at me, and he looked, and this was a motivational guy. This guy was all about motivating his staff and his people and across the board, at least in the, the facade, that's the way he was. And, right. and, and I knew the difference. I knew, I knew that he was full of shit. <laughs> um, but I remember sitting with him at the end of the day and him looking at me, and saying, you have to get this idea of being a TV chef out of your brain. It's just not something that's going to happen. Okay. And I kind of thought to myself, you're a dick. <laughs> like, you preach this idea of shooting for the moon, of, of being, uh, you know, the best that you can be and reaching for your goals. And that was something that I wanted to do. I mean, at that point, I had been on TV for a couple of years. And, mm -hmm. But I really was making more of a focus towards it. Okay. And I remember sitting next to him and looking at him. And the next day, I walked into the restaurant. And I looked around, and I said to myself, fuck this guy. Mm -hmm. And I walked into his office, and I quit. That was it. Would you say that was, that was it. A, a shortcoming, a failure, or do you think that was a, a, a right move? You know, I, I think it was the, one of the. It was a great move for me, but it was a mistake leading into it because I, I knew when I first started working with this guy, when it first came around the time for bonuses and all the stuff that was promised to me that I and I didn't get it. 
that I should have left at that point. Mm-hmm. I should have left. So what was I should the, have taken off. What was the biggest lesson that you could take away from this experience? One, don't allow anybody else to hold you back from something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And two, get every single thing that's promised to you in writing. Mm. Awesome. Great takeaways. Legally find that shit and don't ever let anybody take advantage of you. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Awesome stuff. Great, man. Chef, I feel like I'm really getting to know you. Uh, we got your stories. We got your if factors, your success stories, your failures. Now it's time for you just to drop some big ol' restaurant bombs knowledge on us. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right. First question, Chef. What advice do you have for fundraising or just getting that capital to start your restaurant? Earn it yourself. Earn it yourself. What do you mean by that exactly? Don't have don't don't get involved in the partner situation. Oh. Don't get involved with five, six, seven, eight, nine people. I had a restaurant that I once got involved with that had eleven partners. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. think about this. Think about this really simple fact that if your restaurant's running at peak performance, one hundred percent across the board, the average restaurant owner will be able to take home five percent profit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That means if a light bulb doesn't go out, if there's no overtime, if you have no spoilage, mm-hmm. every single part of that. Take that 5% and split that amongst 11 people. Yeah, it's not very You're much. living off of that for the rest of your life? <laughs> nope. Not worth it, dude. And uh, the other thing, too. Oh, it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, whoever has the money makes the decisions. And I think that's another really important thing, too. It's the truth. Yeah, so it's the really truth. great stuff there. So uh, what advice do you have on hiring good people? Like, what are you looking for? Or what questions are you asking? You know, I ask real-life questions when I interview people. I have a full-on conversation with people. Um, mm-hmm. I can, I, you know, I, you could sit here and interview me right now to become a rocket scientist, and I can tell you what an awesome manager I am and how wonderful I am with people, and I can, I can sit here and blow, blow you away with smoke and mirrors about how I know absolutely everything that there is to know about becoming a rocket scientist. But as soon as that door opens and you put me in that office, guess what? I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. Okay? I needed a job. That's what it is. And most people these days that are out there looking for jobs, especially in the restaurant industry, in the kitchen industry, will do anything they can to say that they have it. Mm -hmm. I'm sick and tired of looking at resumes that say executive chef for a restaurant that had two employees. Mm. Okay. I'm tired of people telling me that they're the executive chef of a restaurant. So you want me to tell you the best advice for hiring people? Look at the resume. And if you're out there interviewing somebody, Dig deep, find out what it is, and ask them questions. Mm-hmm. What were your responsibilities as the executive chef? Mm-hmm. How many? What, tell me, what was your budget for the week? If you're an executive chef, what was your budget? How much money did you spend? How much did you hold in inventory? What was your labor cost? Mm-hmm. Do me a favor. Tell me what one of the, the greatest successes that you had as an executive chef. You know, these are questions that you have to ask mm-hmm. because they're gonna. If they don't know, they're gonna fail. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I can tell you that the ideal food cost is thirty percent every single day. But how did I get there? That's the key. All right. The next question I have for you, Chef, is when you find these great people, uh, what is your advice for keeping them on your team? You know, I, I don't. I, I try not to hire for a job. I hire for a career. Okay. If I'm interviewing somebody for clients, because now it comes down to clients, and that's what I do. I hire and I interview for clients. Um, I'm gonna. You know, I'm hiring for somebody who wants to be there as a career. I don't want somebody who just wants a job because a job means that you go there to clock in and clock out. A career means that you're dedicated. A career means that it's something that you've thought long and hard about, that this is something that you want to do. I always say I can teach you how to cook, but I can't teach you how to be passionate mm. about cooking. Mm-hmm. So I want to feel that passion. I want to have I, I want to I engage my staff once they're hired. Mm-hmm. I want people to come in, and I want them to sit down at the beginning of every day and go, man, I can't wait to see what happens with me today. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what's going to go on. I can't wait to see the excitement. So when I hire people, 
I, I one, I set the expectations for them of what it is that I expect. Mm -hmm. It's very, very simple. This is your job description. Okay. This is what I'm looking for from you. And I shoot, I shoot for the moon with that. I want them to challenge themselves. I want them to go after what it is that they want. And because of that, I feel that I get awesome, awesome employees. Yeah. I have a group of people that work for clients of mine. I mean, I just opened my 74th restaurant for clients a couple months ago. Okay. And I'll tell you what, I still have a conversation with that chef who's down in that last restaurant. He texts me stuff all the time. Hey, chef, just check it in. Want to make sure you're good. Just, you know, I mean, those are – and I, I don't even work with the guy on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I hired – to, to shoot for the moon. I love it, Chef. And I think that uh, what you mentioned about communication, like you, you say, like, this is what I expect. This is what you're you know expected to do. And I think a lot of people fall short there. They, uh, they kind of point the finger at, you know, outside variables, blaming the reason why things didn't work out and whatever you can think of. But really, sometimes they've got to turn that finger around and point it at themselves. Did I communicate well enough with this person, what I expect, what they're, you know, here to do. And I think a lot of times, you know, and you can elaborate on that if you want, but a lot of times people fall short there. What would you say? Well, you know, I mean, here's, here's the, here's the way that, that I, I say this all the time, because I have so many people that contact me and, and say, Hey, look, I have this guy who works in my kitchen and I really want to get rid of him. And, and one of the first things I say to them is, have we given them all of the, all the tools mm -hmm. that they need to succeed? Mm -hmm. Have we given that to them? You know, do they have a? Are you an older restaurant, and does the grill not work to the to, to the way that it's supposed to? Are you putting a cap on how much money these guys can pay to to hire people? Mm -hmm. You know, are you saying this guy, your staff, can only make eight dollars an hour when he's really a twelve or thirteen dollar an hour guy? Mm -hmm. You know, what what is it that we're doing? So, have we given that chef, that manager, that server, that busboy, that dishwasher, that that delivery guy, mm -hmm. all of the tools that they need to succeed? Because you know what, people aren't people need to be given the tools that they have to. Mm -hmm. They need those things. Absolutely. These are things that they have to work with. So I always say that, have we given them the tools? And then if they say, well, I, you know, I never really sat down with him and explained to him, then what I say is, okay, then we need to have a conversation. We need to sit with the chef and we need to give him a 30-day plan. Mm -hmm. Here's the 30-day plan. This is what I expect of you. And this is what I need from you. It's that simple. Yeah. And if they can't follow through with that, then guess what? We've let them know. By, by writing up and doing all of the stuff. But you can't just walk in and fire a guy because you don't like it. Mm -hmm. That's just not that way, you know? So Awesome stuff, Jeff. Thank you. So the next question I have for you is, what is your favorite restaurant like resource, whether it's a, a book? I mean, I, I've noticed that all my guests, one of the reasons why they're successful is because they invest in their, themselves their knowledge. So is there a book that you just would say is a must-read for anybody who just wants to do uh, right by themselves and be successful in this industry? You know, there's one book called The One Minute Manager, mm -hmm. and it really, it really kind of rings true because what happens in restaurants, and especially in restaurants, because, you know, we don't have an HR department in an independent restaurant, so personal feelings get put into play all the time. Mm -hmm. And the idea of The One Minute Manager is the very simple fact that we need to, we need to reprimand you for one minute. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. I'm going to allow you to make your mistakes, but if there's a mistake that's made, I'm going to reprimand you quickly, simply, very, point, very, you know, succinctly and very to the point. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, your wife is coming into the restaurant or, you know, your wife's getting in the way or any of that. What I'm going to say to them is your job is not you, – you're not following through with the job that we had originally set in place for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is what I need from you to make sure that you change, and this is what I need from you to make sure that it happens to the way that I need it to happen. You know, and then you then you kind of reward them a little bit. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do. Move forward, and that's it. 
Mm-hmm. We don't need this long, drawn-out, half-hour, 45-minute conversation about why it is, you know, why the guy was late. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? And that's what happens in restaurants. We create more problems than we need because of the fact that we get too personally involved in it. Mm-hmm. We, we create more problems. I always say there's never a problem, only situations that need to be resolved. Because if we sit there and focus on the problem at hand, we never, ever get to the solution. It's like the waitress who rang the check-in the wrong way and put medium rare instead of medium well on a steak. Well, I don't care why you did that. I just need to know that we need to get it fixed for the guest. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit that you put medium rare? We'll figure that out later. We know what the problem is. The problem is you rang it in the wrong way. The solution is what we need to come to right now. Love it, man. Yeah, that's one book that's been mentioned a few times on the show, and I have not read it yet, but i got to pull the trigger and get that because uh, it sounds like a, yep. a must read. All right, thank you for sharing that, Chef. And uh, the next question I have for you is uh, what kind of marketing advice can you give us? I mean, what's your best bit of marketing advice if you could just say one thing? The best bit of marketing advice? Um, trust the people that are coming into your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Ask them questions. Communicate with them. Talk with them. Find out what it is that they want. Find out what it is that they like about your restaurant and what they don't like about your restaurant. That is some of the best marketing advice because you're, you're, you're working within the four walls of what you have right now. Awesome. Uh, don't tell me. Don't, don't, don't put a – hold on real quick. I'm sorry. Don't, don't do a radio ad that's going to reach 50,000 people mm-hmm. because guess what? 50,000 people don't live within your backyard of where you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're trying all- to get the people that are around you first and then build off of that. Little stepping stones to grow your business and build it. That's what people have to do. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can collect this information to ask these questions. Are there any ways that you uh, use that you, uh, or a, maybe a, a tool that you use or different uh, approaches you can take that you can share with us? You know, in my business, I work off of, I work off of comment cards. Okay. And these are comment cards that don't ask for your – I don't want your email. Mm-hmm. I don't want your address. I don't want your phone number. I don't want your anniversary. I don't want your birth date. I don't want any of that stuff. What I want from you is to sit down at the end of your meal for two minutes and just write down what it is that you liked about me. I've got comment cards that are already written up. What did you order? What would you like to see on our menu? How was your service? Please rate it. And then at the bottom, I have a, a coupon. It might be for 10% or 15% off your next visit, whatever it is. Okay, it's something that we, you know, in the industry, actually, some of them call a bounce back card, which it bounces back into you because you give it to them for a next visit. But it doesn't ask you for, you know, most comment cards are saying, oh, tell me your name. Tell me your address. Join our loyalty club. Well, loyalty happens when you provide a quality product, Mm -hmm. when you're consistent with your business and the products that you do. But I want to know what it is that my guests like about me at this point and what it is that they think that I should change, because guess what? I'm not paying my bills. My guests who are coming Absolutely. into my restaurant are paying my bills. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, I in, in my time doing the show, I've learned about a few different products that are, you can use to leverage. I know one's called Hum, which is a, a, a tablet that, you, that your guests get at the end of the dinner with their check. And basically, it just serves the, surveys them every time they check out, asking those questions yeah. to find out what they're wanting. It's a great tool. Another one's uh, Talk to a Manager and Owner's Listen, which are, uh, I think, more uh, phone-based, text-based apps that you know, you're just constantly looking to uh, listen. And another thing that's great about surveying people before they, they leave is a lot of times, you know, when things go wrong, when things don't go, like when there is a problem or your, your guests aren't happy, if you can give them an opportunity to express their anger before they get home and go online and write up a bad review, you can really save yourself that headache too, which is another awesome, you know, thing about asking yeah. 
uh, before they even. Sorry, go ahead with what you were going to say. When it comes, the average person wants to. They want to get in and get out. Once mm-hmm. they get their bill, they want to leave. So you know, I, I give them that that one little card. That's you know, I mean, it's it's literally. I think it's eight inches long. It's like three and a half inches wide or four inches wide. And and at the end of the meal, they just go over and they drop it in a box. Mm-hmm. They don't give it to a server who can read it and see that the server did a bad job and crumble it up and throw it in the trash. Yeah, you know, this is one of those things that there is no engagement at that point. The engagement happens the second time around because when that server, when that that guest comes back into the restaurant two weeks later and they sit down and they put that ten percent off coupon, the waitress immediately knows that they have to grab a manager. Mm-hmm. That manager comes over and picks up the coupon and says, thank you so much for filling out your, our, our comment card last time. We hope that we've exceeded your expectations coming in this time. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people fail, mm-hmm. is the fact that the managers don't get as involved with the guests as they should. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. They just leave. And the best, the best part about that technique is it's free, man. All it takes is a piece of paper. And, I mean, there's a lot you can do just by listening. So that's awesome. Great advice. All right. So the next question I have for you, Chef Duffy, is, uh, I mean, with all of the evolution that's happening today in the restaurant industry with technology, whether it be uh, a front-of-house technology, a back-of-house technology, or just an app that you use to keep your, you know, yourself organized, is there something that you use, a technology that you're leveraging in your everyday life or a, a service that you're recommending to your uh, clients? You know, I, I work with a couple of different things. One, well, one on on the non-electronic or uh, you know technology world. I have an assistant. Okay. I know it sounds crazy, but it's uh, you know my assistant is really uh, a huge part of my business. Um, she helps me focus on the things that I have to focus on, which are whether I'm trying to get a menu done or if I have an evaluation that needs to get finished. Or if, I have, if I'm on a phone call listening to an initial you know, proposal, my assistant is on the other end paying attention to that. Okay. Um, she's not the type of person. I don't ask her to book flights for me and go and pick up my dry cleaning for me. She's my business assistant. She helps me with my business. She also happens to be a social media expert, which, help, which, which works out really well. But on the, on, the, on the technological side of things, I live off of QuickBooks. Mm. QuickBooks is massive for me. Mm-hmm. It literally organizes my business. It puts everything into perspective because I, my business as a consultant is the same as the business of, of the industry, mm-hmm. okay, because I have, a, I, have a, I have a P&L. I have a profit and loss that I have to follow. That's mm-hmm. how this works. I have to bill for my time accordingly, just like you're billing for that dish that's going out. I also love, love, love um, uh, Evernote. I live mm. off of Evernote. I love it too. It is something that I can sit on a plane and I can write down all my thoughts. I write menus out. I write things for my next for, for a book. I write things for ideas for restaurants that I have, menu items that I have, the basic things like that, um, ways that I would like to change my business. And then as soon as I land and I get Wi-Fi again, it now goes through all of my, my medias. So mm-hmm. it goes through my, my, you know, my, my, my desktop at home, my iPad, my iMac, my iPhone, blah, 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 blah. It goes through all those different things. Yeah. So I can reference them at any point. And then if I do have some really good ideas, I can then pass them along to my assistant, who then she can kind of organize them and put them into a file for me, which works out really well for me. For staff and for restaurants, for that whole nine yards, I'll tell you what, I think that Hot Schedule and ScheduleFly are two of the greatest inventions ever. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have a way that we can we can make one scheduling fun, two, we can do it so that it's not uh, cumbersome or burden, you know, being being a burden to managers. Um, I've got budgets in there. Um, I've got all of that stuff that's in there, so I know what it is. You know, if Joan wants to have off every Thursday for the next six weeks. She can automatically put that in as a request, and I don't have to worry about it because it won't even allow me to schedule her for that mm-hmm. night. 
you know, it, it then also gives me the opportunity that I can just hit hit print or send or or formulate or whatever it is, and automatically that schedule has now been passed on to every one of my employees mm -hmm. so that all of my employees in any restaurant that I go into, they're sitting there and they now have an, they, they get a little beep on their phone. Message comes up, schedule's been posted. And guess what? Let's say that Joan doesn't show up on Thursday night and she looks at you and says, oh, I had no idea. I didn't see the schedule. But then oddly enough, I'm able to go into that schedule and see that Joan checked in on two o'clock, you know, at two fourteen on on Tuesday and actually looked at her schedule. You know, so in those kind of ways, it's a nice little app. It's a great thing, but it also works because I can put my budget in there, you know, and it's starting to get to a point that it's pairing up with QuickBooks. It's pairing up with our POS systems. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that. Stuff. Yeah, man, you're, you're sharing some incredible resources right now. And I mean, one thing I want to point out, all these things you're mentioning are systems and processes that you can just literally plug into your restaurant. We we learned from yeah. uh, the E-Myth how important systematizing and putting processes and procedures to your restaurant is. That's really all you're doing when you're adopting something like ScheduleFly or Hot Schedules or Evernote or QuickBooks. What you're doing is you're just getting a turnkey-ready system that you can plug into your restaurant, and you're going to be more efficient, More your communication is going to go up, uh, you're going to be more effective, and all those things are going to save you time. And that time is the one Absolutely. thing that is a constant that you know you can't pay enough for and uh, if you can get that time you can start doing so many incredible things just to start focusing on improving your businesses i mean all great tools and resources and i have a quick question you mentioned an assistant is this a virtual assistant no this is a real live person yes um does she work like remotely like uh from a desktop yeah, she works she works from her. She works from her house most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we uh, the way that we do it is, I mean, Jocelyn and I see each other probably three times a year. Okay. Um, you know, I I, I pay her through. Uh, you know, whether it, it, however, she needs to get paid. I mean, that's the way it works. She invoices me just like any, you know, like anybody else would in this business, and um, you know, she gets paid through that. And then, I mean, you know, we we talk on the phone all the time. We actually text religiously. Okay. Um, you know, I, I will text her something at three o'clock in the morning if I'm thinking about it. If she replies back, hey, it just means that she's up. You know, I mean, if she doesn't reply back, then I know she's going to get to me in the next day or so, or or. If it's something that's imperative, she replies back immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the way that we do stuff. So I, I asked because I, I recently, no, well, not too long ago, I had the uh, uh, the gentleman from uh, Virtual Assistant, Assistant, and EA Help, the, the largest uh, virtual assistant company in the country. And uh, the, you can really lever leverage having a virtual assistant, somebody who's working and doing all these little uh, things where you can just delegate these, this, this busy work. Uh, awesome stuff. But I was curious, uh, aside from Evernote, are there any tools you use with your virtual assistant, maybe like Basecamp or Asana that you use to improve communication that you'd like to share with us? No, I mean, you know, those are really the best ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's, for me, it's a text message. It goes okay. directly through to her, awesome. you know, or an email. Um, you know, we have, we have an email that we use that's strictly for business that just goes back and forth between the two of us. Um, you know, I, she, she, she CCs me on things that need to be CC'd on. She doesn't include me in a lot of the bullshit that gets, that goes on day to day. You know, the, the biggest joke, the biggest running joke in Hollywood is that actually the assistants run Hollywood. It's the truth. <laughs> it's the absolute truth I because I mean, watching between my agents and my manager and, you know, my publicist and everybody else that I, that I deal with. I mean, I have a, you know, I have a team of 
of, of, of like 15 people just for my, for my, my media side of the business, my entertainment side of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my, my business of, of consulting is me and Jocelyn, you know, mm-hmm. that's our company. Um, but it's, uh, it, you know, having an assistant is, is an amazing thing. She's, she's very important to me. So awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I have had interviews with hot schedules and schedule fly and, uh, both incredible services. I'll link to those in the show notes. Uh, this, so just go to restaurant unstoppable slash, uh, Chef Duffy or Brian Duffy, and uh, you will find uh, those links right there. Uh, thank you for sharing all those incredible resources with us, Chef. Uh, the next question, Chef, we're almost at the end of the interview, is uh, what is your best business advice for somebody in the industry? If you could like go back in time, Chef, to like when you were just graduating or, you know, I would say like you said it was 94 when you graduated? Yes. So yes. like if you could go back in time and talk to, you know, uh, the version of Chef Duffy – back then, what one piece of a business advice would you give your, your past self? Uh, one would really have to be communicate with your staff. Too mm-hmm. many people don't communicate enough information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I, I used to have contests that if I wanted to hit a $5,000 day in food sales, I would, I would run a contest. I would let my staff know what my dollar mark was. I would tell them every single hour where I was. Too many people don't share this information with their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I, and what I'm talking about is if you're, you know, if you're having issues or not, not issues, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to hit a goal, you, you have to explain that to your staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do a lot of this through a pre-meal. I believe 100% wholeheartedly in a pre-meal because I don't care how much you upsell. What I care is that you're educated on the menu. Mm-hmm. Education is the key to success mm-hmm. and consistency is the key to successful business. So it. if my staffs, if I spend so much time teaching my staff, you know, about five wines, when guess what? They're not even, they're still unsure about what foie gras is, mm. you know, and foie gras is on the menu when I'm trying to get them to upsell five wines. So I spend time every single day working on my core dishes that I have in the restaurant. So when my clients, what we do is we will start a, a pre-meal shift with, okay, guys, just so you know, this is our signature sandwich, let's say. This is our signature burger. It's topped with a fried egg. It's topped with an avocado mayonnaise. It has, uh, you know, chipotle rubber on the outside of it. Okay, everybody do me a favor. Cut it in half. Bite it. Taste it. Tell me what you think about it. This comes off of the grill with assistance of saute. Mm. I teach my staff every single component of that dish because they know that dish in and out. So if a guest comes in and that guest sits down and they say, hey, you know, I really would like that without onions, and you say, hey, no problem, there are no onions on that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I already know there's no onions in the mix or there's no onions in the mayonnaise or whatever it is in that sauce or however it is that you want to do it. I educate my staff wholeheartedly, 100% across the board. And if it. you think about the fact that when we first open a restaurant, we usually end up ten- taking roughly two weeks of training. The average restaurant will take two weeks of training to teach their staff how to do their menu, the POS system, the whole nine yards. Fast forward to one year, the average staff now gets two days of training. Oh, man. Two days from two weeks. Wow. That's so like, train yeah. your staff. Yeah, man. And uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You're, you're talking about all the benefits that you know training your staff will do for your, your business, but also for your employee because we know it's not the highest-paying job. I mean, you can't uh, – you know, win people over with paychecks. You have to win them over with investing in them and their knowledge. When they come home, go home, they feel like they are growing personally. I mean, you can't lose. And I mean, you're, you're giving us great advice and thank you for all that. Now, you know, sorry, go ahead. One thing, one thing you had asked me about when we, about interviewing and all the other stuff, when I interview people, I always say to them, what is it that you expect of me? Mm -hmm. 
What is it that you expect of this restaurant? What are you expecting of this? They say, oh, well, you know, I expect to come in and do this and that. Like, realistically, what is it that you expect of us? Because my job, I want to exceed not only my guests' expectations. I want to exceed my employees' expectations. Mm -hmm. I want to go above and beyond for them. I have a very dear friend of mine who just passed away. Um, He was a a, a restaurant owner in San Diego, 56 years old, unfortunately had a heart attack, totally natural causes, the whole nine yards. And one of the things that I found out about him after he passed away that I did not know prior to this was he paid every single one of his employees double minimum wage. Oh, wow. He paid every single one of his employees health benefits across the board from a dishwasher to the executive, the executive team that he had inside of there. Man. This was a guy who took care of his employees yeah. every single day. And these were not your normal employees. These were ex-drug addicts, mm-hmm. homeless guys, guys who were lit up with tattoos and piercings, people that would have, a, have trouble getting a job in a normal restaurant. And he said to me one day, and I was sitting in Cuba with him, we were, we were uh, on Guantanamo Bay, and I said, you know, but hiring guys like this, did you ever get burned? He said, yeah, not so much, because I treated them well. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I love it, man. What is one question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to this interview? What is a question that you could have asked me that would have added more value? I think you did well, dude. Thank you very much. I think you did well. I think you did well, yeah. I appreciate that. All right, and we're going to wrap it up by calling out one person in the industry you think would make a great guest mentor like yourself on the show and then let everybody at home know how they can connect with you, maybe if it's for consulting or or whatever reason for further questions. Um, A great person in the industry that I would reach out to you know, I, I'm going to have to say my good buddy who's out in uh, out in the West Coast is named Nick Liberato. Nick is a really, really awesome individual. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's one of those guys that has never been he, – he's not hardened from the industry. Mm-hmm. He's actually just a really nice guy. He's an amazing chef. Um, he works really hard. He's very dedicated to his restaurant and to his family. Um, Nick's on Bar Rescue as well. Um, I look up to Nick because, like I said, he hasn't been hardened by the industry. You meet a lot of people that are our age, that are my age, that have been in the industry for a long time, and we're kind of hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of short and to the point and all the other stuff. Nick is one of those guys that I really look up to because he's just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he does his job exceptionally well. So, Nick Liberato, there's my shout-out to you, my brother. How can you get in touch with me? I'm simple, dude. I'm really easy. You can Google Chef Brian Duffy, and you can find me through all my resources there. Um, my, uh, my, my Facebook is Chef Brian Duffy. My Twitter my Instagram are Chef Brian Duff. Um, if you're interested in having me come in, the best thing to do, um, you know, if you want me to come in and consult on your business or redo a menu or come in and do a motivational speaking for your staff or, you know, come in and just spend a couple of days in your kitchen, uh, you know, I do evaluations for restaurants as well to give you an idea of where you stand. And that evaluation involves me being in your restaurant, watching the day-to-day operations, talking with your managers, looking at the systems, the procedures that you have in place, looking at your social media packages, looking at your financial packages, and coming back to you and letting you know where you stand mm-hmm. and what it is that we could do differently. Um, that is the best way to do that is you can just send me an email to chefbrianduffy at gmail.com and uh, they come directly to me. My assistant and I are going to set up a conference call. We're going to have a really quick call with you about a half hour. We'll get the full gist of your business and then we decide what we're going to do from that point forward. Um, you know, I've got clients all over the world from Cuba 
um, up into Hawaii and up into Canada, all throughout the states. I'm looking at some projects right now in Spain and Mexico and Greece. So I've got a lot of really fun stuff going on. But uh, reach out. I'd love to come into your business and help you make a little bit extra money and make a name for yourself. Awesome. If you guys had trouble writing that all down, don't worry. Just go to the show notes, <laughs> www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Brian Duffy. I'll have links to all the products, services, books, and uh, the ways to connect with Brian Duffy right there in the show notes. Uh, Chef, you are without a doubt unstoppable. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your stories and your advice. It was absolutely my pleasure, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, anytime, dude, anytime you want to chat, just give me a shout. You got it. All right. Thank you all for joining us today here at Restaurant Unstoppable. If you guys found value in today's episode and you want more episodes just like this, you can help me out simply by shooting me an email at eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and tell me who you think would make a great guest on the show. I will do everything humanly possible to get them here to share their stories and their advice with us or just simply tell me what you think the show's missing, what can make it better, and I will listen to your advice and I will do what I can to make this show the best it can possibly be. Lastly, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher radio coming they're helping so much thank you so much if you guys have left reviews uh, you have no idea uh, how far that goes all right guys until next time peace out